Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. NBC Sports, Football Morning and American columnist Peter King. What do you think about the Chase Thomas podcast? I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ, over there on the West Coast, my good friend, 49ers Hub, Twitter uh, instigator himself, Evan Swords. Evan, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. What's going on? I'm feeling pretty good. My, my wife was cracking up. I showed her uh the sword swords conversation from last week and she or two weeks ago yes now and she was a fan um, i love that yeah I it's love that. we all have our own brain you gotta laugh at yourself folks and that's uh one of those where i'm laughing at myself and also here good friend of the pod here and one of uh the best nfl writers going right now it's jp acosta of sb nation jp good evening sir how are you I'm doing great. Doing great. I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to talk some more football with y'all. We do have some football to talk about. And I think when I was thinking about like how to outline this particular episode and the NFL draft has concluded and 
uh, I figured we'd just go one at a time through all seven rounds. We'll just go one and we'll spend five to seven minutes per player and really, mm-hmm. really grind this tape and really give really, the listeners yeah. the full throttle uh, analysis they they come to the Chase Thomas podcast for. Now, um, what I think would be uh, more interesting here to kick things off is like all of our teams, I think, had very different kinds of drafts. Like the Niners, for instance, didn't pick until the third round, and then they took a kicker. And then you have oh, uh, you're just you're just letting it all out right now. You're not even gonna let me enjoy talking about it first, huh? I'm sorry. The I'm just setting the scene here. A very good kicker. I very good hit, kicker. I will I will fly all the way <laughs> to Florida right now. <laughs> I can't wait for the puns though. When he's like, like people are gonna just be like. How is Jake on the sidelines for the, before this game winning kick? Some might say he's a little moody. Mm. Yeah, mm. you're making this worse. Mm. I'm, I'm not. In, yeah, let's go. Well, let's start off with the Niners because we, the, there's God. been a lot of discourse about the Falcons draft. And I think the Jaguars, uh, 95% of football fans don't know who they took <laughs> because it feels like the Jags didn't take any notable names um, where some teams like just notable name, notable name, notable name, like the Lions, for instance, like everyone do everyone who was getting picked there because um, they were all top 50 ish players on uh, Daniel Jeremiah's mock uh, or big board. They, he, they just took them in really weird spots um but evan your team like we said at the top here did not take a did not have a pick because of the trey lance and christian mccaffrey trades over the last couple years in the first two rounds they take a kicker what were your thoughts as draft weekend was unfolding for you as a niners fan uh did they do well what was the biggest issue you had with this class and what was the the thing that you liked the most so we are a podcast that is obviously on YouTube. Mm. Uh, so for those that want to see it on YouTube, I'll, the clip is there. I suggest just Googling it yourself, but I'm going to play the audio right here of a uh, good friend of the pod, Trevor Sikama, okay. and obviously Connor Rogers for, from the, the, the NFL Stock Exchange uh, podcast and YouTube show. Mm. Uh, their, their words encapsulate pretty perfectly how I felt about this situation. And I think it's just best if we just, from the beginning, mm-hmm. well, there'll be video, but why not? I, I see this is the one where Niners fans are like, yeah, we agree. Like most fans hate when you give their team a bad draft grade. And I this, get it. This draft stunk. This draft sucked. And does this it, draft it doesn't stunk. apply to logic. It doesn't apply any logic. Yeah. So I like, I understand how you can look at the 49ers moves here and you can be positive, right? You can go, I see how the 49ers looked at a lot of their kind of like role players, um, you know, maybe second string type players who have contracts coming up and they're like, let's all replace them. Right. You know, the Jimmy Ward, uh, you know, the losing Jimmy Ward and free agency, having Jair Brown is probably going to be how you replace that. Uh, They were losing uh, Robbie Gold, who, by the way, it's officially on site. If I ever see Robbie Gold's old bald, old bald ass, I will fight him. Uh, he did this to us. Hold it's on, his leave, fault. Well, leave us bald men alone. Uh, like, you have hair up there still, all right? I mean, and I'm not exactly killing it in the hairline game myself. Uh, but I feel like it's know. just your hair, though. I feel like you've had the exact same hair for the five years oh, I've known you. One hundred percent. It's the only thing my gra- my grandpa ever gave me was his hairline. But yeah, no, uh, like all jokes aside, right? You're like kill JP by the end of this podcast. I do understand 
how the 49ers go, okay, we need a kicker. And, you know, in the beginning of the draft, the first, as the draft was going on, a lot of us were like, why would you ever use a third round pick? But as the draft went on, two more kickers got taken by the fifth round. Um, Obviously, the Niners did actually have to do what they did to get Moody. If they that is who they thought is the best kicker in the draft, maybe one of the best kickers drafted in recent memory. Time will tell if Moody is the type of kicker that goes on to make you know playoff winning kicks. I don't think anybody's going to care. But right now, there were a lot of really talented players still available by the time the 49ers drafted Jake Moody. And uh, I don't know if I'll be able to get over it that much until then. Uh, I don't think you, if you look at the history of drafting an NFL kicker, the the highest you ever really see it is maybe the fourth round, more like the fifth round. Um, It doesn't happen often. The last time a kicker went high, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers watched one of the worst picks of all time. Uh, and I, I don't remember how to pronounce his Aguayo. last name. Yeah, Roberto mm-hmm. Aguayo, right? I know the guy in Florida remembers that all too well. Well, he's a Florida State fan too, and I think right? he was an FSU guy, right? Wasn't we're Aguayo? Ho- yeah. Right. And we're right. hoping that doesn't happen uh, with Jake Moody. Um, you know, but like it's it's hard, right? It's hard to not have a, a first round pick in the first two, you know, first round pick or the second round pick. Um, it's hard to have the reason why you don't have a first round pick be because of a quarterback that this week was talked in detail about how no one on the 49ers seems to want him and they're just looking to trade him. Uh, who knows if that's true, uh, but having all of those things culminate. And then at the end of it, you draft a kicker in the third round is tough. It's a Mm. tough sell. So it is one of those things. Like I said, if he plays well, we'll probably forget it very quickly. Uh, outside of that, you know, um, I'm excited always for them to draft a tight end. I'm glad that they did with pick 101. Uh, a lot of people talked about Cameron Latu out of Alabama as someone that they might have been able to get a little bit later, or maybe have drafted someone at the tight end position that could be more, you know, a little a little better. Uh, he's not exactly uh, the wild athlete that George Kittle was coming out of uh, the draft. Um, I think. You know, obviously, JP is probably the better person to talk about the pre-draft process and, and whoever they are as prospects. Uh, but, you know, Cameron Lotsu seems like a guy that can catch touchdowns and block. Uh, Daryl Luter Jr., South Alabama. I found out uh, when we announced that pick that uh, South Alabama has only been a university since 2009. Uh, there have been only seven people to enter the NFL through the draft. Uh, They're on the way um, up, though. Kane Wilmack's got that program cooking down there right? in Mobile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so as as someone that is very uninitiated myself, mm. uh, as, as I am in the college football world, that was terrifying until I kind of started to figure out those details. Um, but, you know, it sounds like he's a, he's an interesting process, prospect. Uh, I like the idea of, Ella, you know, the linebacker D winners out of TCU. He is fast. Uh, a lot of these players you saw are very fast, uh, you know, really high – uh, scores when it comes to agility, speed, movement, all the above. Uh, you know, Ronnie Bell was a wide receiver in the seventh, something that Kyle Shanahan's very used to doing. Um, I'm Can we ex- pause there for a second, JP, too? Because when I saw Ronnie Bell go that late, isn't it weird as college football fans, too, that this guy was just... Uh, Evan, he was, he was a highly, highly sought-after recruit and someone that Michigan fans thought was going to blow up and just be 
a superstar wide out uh, in Ann Arbor, and it just never it, he just completely fell off the map. And seeing him go that late is just kind of it's just kind of wild. I don't know if you had that same thing, JP. Well, well yeah. so what I was gonna mm-hmm. say because I I'm, I want to be you know I I wanted to like essentially go okay that was my initial thoughts, but JP, you know this is your world. I would love to have your you like you know your overall thoughts on the 49ers draft from like a, a prospect perspective. Yeah, so I think the Niners drafted guys who are like they're they are 49er type players. I think Robert Beal, uh, edge out of Georgia, he is not one of the superstar Georgia players, but he fits what they really like, which is getting off the ball, long, strong, get off. That's that's the type of guy you're getting in Robert Beal. Love the winner's pick for them. I think he is going to fill the depth depth linebacker role really well could potentially be a starter he's fast i worry a little bit about his coverage but i mean he's fast he can get to the ball you can teach him how to cover um cameron matsu is very very reliable that he's not gonna wow you he's just gonna he's gonna make like three four yard catches he's he's gonna be good in the red zone because everybody's gonna forget he's on the field and he was a, also Bryce's only reliable target last year. Yes. I don't think people understand just how bad the Alabama receivers were, and it was just him. Like, Latu was saving Bryce a lot of games. He was who Bryce Young trusted in that yeah. offense. Every, all the passes, all the crazy stuff, that was going to Latu. Yeah. Jameer Gibbs. And I think Jair Brown is good. I think hmm. he's just a – he's a really, really good football player. I think he can be a guy who could potentially be the uh, safety next to Fanga – could have him playing deep. You'd have him coming closer to the line of scrimmage, playing around the ball. And like I said, Jake Moody's really good. I don't know if I would have used a third round pick on Jake Moody, but it just feels it feels like the Niners drafted towards guys that fit their types, especially on defense. But then when you look at their roster, you see the big, big gaping hole at right tackle, and you wonder, like, hey, what what's gonna happen here? This it seems like something you could have addressed in this draft. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing that I'm really curious about. It's like they do have players there that they think could potentially play at that spot. Um, and they have, you know, like they spent some offense, offensive line picks in the last couple of years that they have players that I think they can plug and play. But you don't uh, have but, a right tackle right now, right? McGlinchey's uh, gone. Who are you plugging in there? That Colton guy? What's his name? Uh, what, Brendel? Uh, or Colton McKivitz. Colton McKivitz, yeah. Yeah, so and this is what I will say when it comes to the offensive line. Since Kyle Shanahan joined the 49ers, 49ers fans, including me, have been terrified at what was going on at the offensive line outside of Trent Williams. Mm. Always terrified. Always. Every single time. I'm like, there's no way this works out. It always works out. So until it doesn't at this point especially while Trent Williams is 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 shoring up that left tackle position I'm not going to worry about it um I'm more worried about the quarterback situation than I am the offensive line situation yeah that's that's really going to be that's like been the biggest question for the Niners since so, what, like 2016 <laughs> and so this is this is my parting words for the 49ers situation and my biggest concern overall uh this week you know Ian Rappaport said that the 49ers could not, you know, not that it's insider notion. Maybe it is. I don't know if it's an agent saying this. I don't know if it's a team representative. Someone is talking to Ian and saying that the 49ers could be open to trading Trey Lance because they feel like he might be a waste of resources and it might be worth more to get something for him 
then he, you know, potentially, and this is where Ian said, then him potentially being the third string quarterback behind Sam Darnold. So I don't know what is there, right? Who knows? That could be the 49ers wanting to just put the word out to see if they get trade offers. That could be Trey's agent trying to like that makes it worse for him right that he might be coming in behind sam darnold i don't know how that helps his trade value right uh, once again i'm i'm not saying i know but i'm saying Mm. there are a multitude of variables there are multiple multitude of possibilities but what i do know is i don't think the 49ers would allow that verbiage to go out if they were not open to trading trey lance and the idea Mm. of trading trey lance has been discussed ad nauseum for the last six months i do think the 49ers are ready to move on from trey lance logically just looking Mm. at the overall picture not inside sources i just think that's going to happen now assume that's going to happen right you don't draft a quarterback as of right now they have not signed an undrafted free agent also why would you not do that before the draft you don't you can you, but, but, but yeah. hold on you don't draft a quarterback you don't sign one as an undrafted free agent as of yet i still haven't seen it i think they're done but we'll see you bring in sam darnold who in multiple situations multiple teams multiple coaches multiple weapons has done very poorly recently having an incredible game where he threw five for 15 in an individual game as a passing quarterback in the NFL. Sam Darnold is trash. I don't care. He is one of those quarterbacks where you keep going, Oh, but maybe, maybe no, he's bad. (laughs) So Kyle loves him because they both wear melon hats and Aruka t-shirts and whatever little, you know, San Diego bro vibe stuff that they like to wear. I don't know. Maybe it's because they both have like, uh, you know, Crocs that they like to wear together. I don't know what it is. They, they, comfortable, they dress very similarly. They talk very similarly. Uh, Kyle was super excited to see Sam come in, gave him a little bro handshake. Fine. Brock Purdy ripped his elbow in half. Sure. Brock Purdy looked really good at last year in the five, six, seven games he played. At any given time, he literally looked like the best quarterback in the NFL at times other than Patrick Mahomes. And I, and I believe that. But he ripped his elbow in half. And well, this is why it. you do Trey Lance for Kirk Cousins and why that's ultimately what happens here. What okay, is, what maybe. Is the upside to... Oh. But no, no, no. Well, you know what the upside is? It's a quarterback that's not injured. Because right now all you have is an injured quarterback, Trey Lance, who's fully cleared to practice, but they apparently want to get rid of, and Sam Darnold. Who, by the way, I've called Sam Bradford multiple occasions because to Mm. me they're the same quarterback. One's younger. Bradford, I think it slept on a little bit. He's Bradford had a better career, but like it was the same thing. He just kept going to... Yeah. Kept going to new new situations. People hated um, Sam because he was the last guy to get paid. Really, like he was in that, and he started yeah, he off got in the that Pat last... Shermer offense. Like he just never got a fair shake. I right just, out of the gate. I just, I just think it's insane to me that the 49ers have maybe the best roster in the NFL currently, outside of maybe the Eagles have a really good roster. Obviously, the Chiefs they have an incredible roster, and their quarterback situation is literally a it's a garbage can full of trash <laughs> on fire in a dumpster on fire. But I like that, Evan. I like it because, and look, not be, hold on. Let me just say why I like it. 
And this goes back to the Falcons, where I like uh, the diversity across the NFL. I like that the Niners are like, what if we could win a Super Bowl without a quarterback? Are we sure we can't just do Debo and Christian McCaffrey just alternating uh, in the gun and seeing what we can do there? Are we certain we can't win a Super Bowl with a Mr. Irrelevant at quarterback? Are we certain we can't do it with uh, just rejuvenating Sam Darnold out of thin air after everyone else had left him for dead? I I like that they've built this perfect roster where all they're missing is the most important ingredient that every NFL team would prefer to have. And they're just like, eh, we find it, we find it. Like, it's, uh, it's fine. I like that. It's a different thing. I want to see if it works. I think there is an untapped level of where this offense can go that can possibly be found with Trey Lance at quarterback. Yeah. I, I still think if the, if the quarterback competition is going to be open, it, as open as John Lynch says it's going to be when Brock Purdy gets healthy, when all three quarterbacks are in camp, Trey Lance should win. If we're, if we're, just ba- if we're basing it off of what we believe Trey Lance to be, he should win that job. Of course, mm-hmm. if he's not – then you trade them after this season. But it's just, I don't, I, I know Brock Purdy played very well last season. I just also think there's going to come, like, I don't know. I, I still, I have. Can we say he's carrying himself like a guy who thinks he's been told he's the starting quarterback for the Niners for the next 10 years? Like, I've watched some interviews with him, and he's doing a lot of podcasts and doing a lot. Of, I, it just strikes me as someone who's like, oh, I'm the starting quarterback at the San Francisco 49ers But he, he has been told that. Mm. He's been told that. Not only has he been told that, but they are actively trying to get rid of Trey Lance. Trey Lance isn't talked about in any videos. They posted videos about uh, Brock Purdy getting the call during the draft, and it wasn't until like the next day that they decided to like post something about Trey Lance because people were literally adding the 49ers, going, why have you not posted Trey Lance videos? What is this? Like, As a guy who watched the 49ers, very much go we no longer want anything to do with colin kaepernick and then go we no longer want anything to do with jimmy garoppolo like i would have to be so blind to not be able to see what's happening with trey lance they're doing the same thing they don't want him there anymore what if you do would you do trey lance for chase young dog i would do anything with for trey lance because he's leaving like they're like you take what you can get because he's leaving what i want as a fan is i want trey lance starting week one it's an mm. insane thing to me that 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 Kyle Shanahan has ha- been able to get the stats out of C.J. Beathard and uh, Brian Hoyer and uh, Nick Mullins and even you know seeing what he's done with Jimmy and then what he did with Brock Purdy. It's an insane thing to me that you have someone like Trey Lance as athletic as he is and you don't want to try. It's almost like a curse that he's such a good offensive mind that he knows that he can win with anybody. Like, I, I think it's almost I, a curse for him. But I don't like, think he wants to do that. I don't think he wants to just say, I can win with anybody. That's tell why he's going to get Trey Lance. Tell True. me, but tell me though, tell, like, tell me his actions. For all intents and purposes, he might have been the one, that, you know, it's talked about that he wanted Mac Jones. They traded up, yeah, but it doesn't guarantee that Kyle was the one that said Trey Lance. They joked about, oh, Kyle was writing plays on the, on the plane on the way home, and then when he finally got to play Trey Lance, he just ran him up the middle, QB power. So I don't really buy – That could also be fun, by the way, Trey Lance in New England. Remember, Bill wanted Lamar Jackson. There were some 
There was some Lamar Jackson Patriot stuff. You put Lam- you put Trey Lance in New England, ship him back across the country. Like, uh, I I don't know. That could be interesting. Now Mac Jones in San Francisco. Like, it, would he be average enough to get you back to the Super Bowl? Probably. Like, I just I don't know. I just <laughs> feels like they're going to keep they're going to keep trying to make these lateral moves. Yeah. I just don't understand how you literally have right now. You have the window. Brock Purdy needs to heal. It's not even guaranteed yet that he's going to be ready by week four or whatever. So, like, you have a window where you can play Trey Lance, right? Mm. And you can give him – do you remember how long we talked about how uh, Kyle Shanahan was giving this, like, rudimentary basic offense to Jimmy and how he was, like, essentially – get like – how come he can't get like Trey Lance can't get the Jimmy G offense? Like, why can't they just run the ball and give him quick, easy passes just so that they can like up his trade value? How is it that we're not even doing that now? Granted, maybe that's, what's going to happen. Maybe that's what Kyle's doing right now. And they just want to get the word out about Trey in the meantime. But as a 49ers fan, like I feel like I'm the only person that's outwardly like saying you have a Super Bowl roster and you traded three first-round picks, wasted three first-round picks on a quarterback you're ready to give up on year three. Who's getting fired for that? Like, you have to wonder what happened for them to sour on Trey Lance so quickly. It can't be what happened during games. He's only played in, like, what, four? I'm not going to say four games. It's, It's like two and a half. Because mm-hmm. the first two this season were in a monsoon, and the other one he got hurt in. What what have you seen that you can be like, yeah, we're just going to move on from this? Because we haven't even seen Trey Lance in the offense with Christian McCaffrey. Like, we haven't seen Trey Lance in that offense yet. You at least need to get a look at what it could be like before. You, you need to exhaust all your options. I'm curious to see what ultimately happens here. Um, speaking of exhausting all of your options, uh, Arthur Smith has exhausted all of his running back options here in Atlanta because he added another one in the first round and Bijan Robinson, who I talked myself into Bijan this week. I, I did. I'm, I'm going to be brutally honest where I was out on this. I'm not going to pretend that I was all Bijan from the beginning of draft season for the Falcons at eight. That being said, when I just thought about, like, I watched some high school tape of Bijan, which was fantastic. I watched a lot of college stuff from because I didn't watch every Texas game. The fake UT. I'm, I'm over here at the real UT here in Knoxville, Tennessee. And it's just going to be fun. Life's short, guys. Like, I, that was something I thought about where I'm just like, this is what Arthur Smith wants to do. This is the identity he wants to build. Tyler Algier was awesome down the stretch. You drafted a a tackle from Syracuse. He's going to play guard. He's going to kick ass probably. Like this offensive line is going to be really good. Drake London's going to be good again. You hope Kyle Pitts is healthy. Like I'm concerned that Scotty Miller is right now the starting slot <laughs> for uh, the Falcons if the season started today. I'm concerned they didn't really address the wide receiver position a little bit more, some more firepower. But also, I think this is just it. I think he's just leaning into this really like uh, I kind of, I'm not going to say the 49ers, Evan, because they don't have the defense that the 49ers have, but they are betting on this trend now. I think, I don't know if it becomes a trend, how many more teams have to follow this, but the trend of like, if you don't have the elite quarterback and I don't think Atlanta or San Francisco has that guy, 
you lean into something else, which is this league can't tackle. And we are going to put a bunch of guys in the field who are a pain in the ass to tackle. And there are going to be sets where Tyler Algier and Cordell Patterson and Bijan Robinson are all on the field together. And it is going to slap. It is going to be a pain. And I have just completely bought into that line of thinking of let's see what happens when teams have to tackle well to beat the Falcons. And the Falcons are going to succeed late in games because I just, I think they're going to be able to sit on leads. I think they're going to be able to win a lot of football games this year because they're going to be conservative because they're just going to ground and pound and bet on. We're going to out physical you. We're going to out like just out, like Bijan and Tyler Algier are just fundamentally two different guys. Even Cordero, who just like shoots through the hole at age what? Uh, I don't even know how old Cordero is now. But like the way he shoots the gap is just crazy for his age. And he's just, he runs with force. And then you just sub in Bijan right after, who's just unbelievable at evading tackles in a completely different way. I, I think it's going to work. And I think they're the favorites in the NFC South. So I've, I've talked my way into all of that. Is that okay, JP? Is that okay? <laughs> Favorites in the NFC South, I'm going to hold off on that. But one thing that I really think the Falcons are doing, and it's something I'm going to talk about with the Jaguars as well, is mm-hmm. I think the, the point where in, the NFL is at is with all these teams getting lighter and lighter on the defensive side of the ball to stop the pass, we're going to see teams lean into the run game a whole lot mm-hmm. more. We saw it in Detroit with the Lions this past year, leaning into the run game, making things easier for Jerry Goff. We saw it in Atlanta with them just basically running the ball and keeping the, keeping it away from Marcus Marietta and making sure he nor Desmond Ritter makes a mistake. <laughs> I think that's where they're headed with Bijan Robinson. Look, man, Bijan Robinson's really fucking good. He's, mm-hmm. he's really good. Every metric that you can use to say, hey, don't draft this running back in the first round because, oh, his yards per, after contact is bad. Bijan's yards after contact is great. Mm-hmm. He's also a really good receiver. You can have him on the field at the same time with Algier, you can do 22 personnel with him, Algier. You can have Pitts and Johnu Smith on the field with Drake London. They're so versatile on offense. So I get why, and I like the idea of having Bijan in that offense. Mm. Really, I'm just worried about the quarterback, and I'm going to keep coming back to that. Well, hold on. He flipped to number nine, his college number. It's new Dez, who this, and that's just where we're at. He's back I, to number nine. And I, I just also think – I, I still need to see it from that defense. It's going to be the first year under a new coordinator. I still think they need a guy on the edge to compliment Grady Jarrett. Caden Ellis maybe could be Calais that. Calais Campbell. I don't know what you're going to get from Calais Campbell at this age. Well, hold on. If there's one thing the Falcons do well, it's not develop pass rushers. It's sign them right at the end of their career, like the John Abrahams of the world, the Dwight Freenies. That's what our bread and butter is on the pass. I think Clayus Campbell's going to be awesome. That's the one thing the Falcons are great at, getting guys right before they retire and kick ass, and then they that's it. Yeah, so I have a few questions about Atlanta, whether it be like, hey, is Jeff Okuda going to be – we're, we're going to see what happens with Jeff Okuda because then like you're going to wonder, like, hey, we passed up on Chris Gonzalez when – and Jeff Okuda stinks, but Bijan in the offense is going to be very fun to watch. Clark Phillips, I think, will be fun too. The Utah corner, well, he's a Phillips playmaker. A I think he's going to be fun. That's a, he's a baller. It, yeah. it, he, forget about the height, the size. You put him in a slot, that's a ball yeah. player. He's very much reminiscent of Mike Hilton. Hmm. Mike Hilton uh, Clark Phillips is a little bigger, but they play the same way. He has great ball skills. He's going to be a lock in the slot. There you go. Oh, last one for our teams, guys. The Jaguars. 
JP. They, this is this is going to bring in Evan. Does this did their draft remind you of any Trent Balky uh, legendary drafts and what what he liked, Evan? Because this is uh, this was um, very defense heavy, uh, I think by and large here for the Jags. And I look at their wide receiver uh, room and their offensive line, and we can talk about how Cam Robinson might factor into what the Jaguars uh, did over the last week. But JB, what did you see from Jacksonville and what Trent Balky did in draft number two? For the Jaguars, so we know we know what this team is going to be this year, and they're going to once again be brutally efficient. I mm. think of a team that's not going to try and win uh, feast or famine deep balls, kind of like the Bills mm. that are always going to try and like, hey, we're gonna we have the superstar quarterback, we're gonna throw it deep all the time, and if that doesn't work, then we just this offense is gonna be gonna work. Mm. The Jaguars are going to be built on five to eight yard completions, five to eight yard plays. They're not going to try and go for the big play every time. Sure, they're going to take it if it's given to them, but they're going to be extremely efficient. They're going to try and run the ball a whole lot better, especially in the red zone. The Jaguars were terrible in the red zone last year. So that's why you go and get Anton Harrison, who is going to be 21, I think, when the season starts. Maybe mm. 20 when the season starts. He's real young. You can play him at right tackle and Walker Little at left while Cam Robinson is suspended. When Cam comes back, you're gonna to have to have that conversation. You'll see what happens there, but we'll figure we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Anton Harrison is very good, and he's still very young. There's a long runway for him to improve. He's like I said, he's 20 years old. There's a lot of runway there. Um, love Tank Bigsby. Hmm. Love Tank Bigsby as the compliment to Travis Etienne. It's a guy who's not gonna go down on first contact. Not the home run hitter, but he'll get you singles and doubles. He's going to eat in the red zone. Brent Strange, I was not on board with Brent Strange at first. Was not. I was like, they draft because Darnell Washington was available and they took Brent Strange. And I was like, oh no, this is a this is gonna be Trent Balky breaking my heart. But when you think about where the Jaguars were bad, they were bad in the red zone. They couldn't block, they couldn't execute in the red zone. You get Brenton Strange who can block and he can be pretty good as a move tight end where you get him into the flats. That's that's gonna be his job. You want mm-hmm. This whole draft was built on them being more efficient. That's why I see when you get a, when you draft an offensive lineman, you draft another running back, you draft a tight end who can block really well. They want to be more efficient in those short area yards. And that's really helpful. I think defense-wise, you drafted a bunch, you had to draft a bunch of nickels, and you mm. can see who works out there. I think Antonio Johnson is gonna be pretty good. I don't think he's gonna be a superstar, but he's gonna be really fun to watch in this defense. But you know, I'm I'm on board with it right now because I can see what they're trying to do. I can see the vision for what's happening, what they want to be this year. I mean, they just went out and got some football players. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like those are just uh, – I was watching the highlights like from their like, little draft recap. And they Those guys uh, – you you got to imagine that he had a lot of lot of fun watching the, the Penn State tape though, huh? Oh yeah, absolutely. I I tweeted the video of this wrestler Big E talking about big men with big chest bumping meat. I that love that exactly, bumping meat. That is yeah. exactly what the Jaguars' offense is going to be: bumping meat. And oh yeah, we have this quarterback behind us who can absolutely kill you in the intermediate and the deep areas of, of the field. They're going to be yeah. going to be built like. Um, I'm not going to say like they're one to one comparison, but they kind of remind me of Dallas last year. On mm. offense because Dallas last year was extremely efficient. They they did not have many explosives, but at their best, they were just killing teams with six yard completions every time. 
down the mm -hmm. field. And then, you know, if you sleep, Dak was able to hit the, hit the ball over the top, just like Trevor Lawrence. I think that's what this offense is going to be. It's going to be brutally efficient. They're going to be grinding people in the run game. And then, of course, it, we have Trevor Lawrence. So if you try and load up the stop that or stop the short passes, we'll just hit one over the top on you. So I see the vision. I see what's happening here. And I kind of like it. And also, suddenly, the AFC South is kind of spicy over the next couple of years because you get Anthony Richardson in this division now. You get Will Levis in this division now. And you obviously get C.J. Stroud. So, um, I mean, I think I don't I wouldn't say any of those three I would bet on to be better than Trevor Lawrence at any point in their careers. But I think Anthony Richardson probably the highest upside potentially. Um, lowest floor there being Will Levis in Tennessee. I just I don't really know what Tennessee. I think they're headed for the gutter for the next couple. I think for a while things are going to get pretty yeah. ugly in, in Tennessee. Tennessee. Is a few years away, they're they yeah. are a few years away. Um, if you look at that receiver room, it is Traylon Burks and <sighs> Westbrook and Traylon Burks. Yeah, dudes. Uh, Chico Conquo, the tight end, could be very fun. That's a guy who I think could break out this season, but he's going to have a lot of passes thrown his way because there's nobody else to throw the ball to. So I think the Titans are a few years away. Texans also could probably be a few years away. Love C.J. Stroud. Love Will Anderson. That was my top player on this draft board this season, and the Texans got both of them. The Colts are very, very interesting. I loved their draft. I love what they did. I love getting Anthony Richardson because he is the perfect fit for what you think a Shane Steichen offense will be if you base it on what it looked like in Philadelphia. You think right. about a quarterback like Jalen Hurts and how he was able to raise the floor of the Eagles offense with his run game and then through his development as a passer, it also raised the ceiling. You think about Anthony Richardson, you know what he can do off rip. He's 6'4", 245 pounds and runs like a gazelle. He raises the floor immediately with his run game. I don't think he's going to take a seat on the bench to start. I think he's starting week one because, like I said, he can add to your team in the run game. The run game with him and Jonathan Taylor in the backfield is going to be very fun. And then you let him learn. Let him get reps, as many reps as possible. And he could potentially be real, real good. Outside of that, love Josh Downs. I think he's a great complement to what Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce do. Offensively, he's a smaller receiver, shiftier, got real good, real good hands, real good catch rate. And then later in the draft, they just added dudes who are great athletes. Julius Brents in round two was real. It's a very Gus Bradley type corner, 6'3", 198, long arms, physical, willing and able tackler. He's going to fit in great in Indy. Um, they got both of my Northwestern players at a time where Adibare and Evan Hall feel really bad because now they're in Indianapolis and I have to act like they don't exist because they're cold now. But those are both going to be really fun in their uh, on their team. They had a really good draft. I'm excited to see what they do. There you go. Hey, Evan, did you like that it w or think it was kind of cool that the Lions went against the grain and how they drafted? Hell you... no. No? Why? I think it was no. fun. I like I'm it. I'm so tired of it. You didn't like no. it? No. Why? Because uh, I... <laughs> the Lions, if everyone is, uh, you know, maybe a little not as well-versed, right? The Lions, for the first time in a very long time, do not have a Hall of Fame quarterback to play against in Green Bay. Mm -hmm. Unless... Well, they they had an opportunity to draft their own. And then right. Hooker. Yeah, uh, you know, but so you have the opportunity 
mm-hmm. and, you, and you take a running back. You and you had a good one. Like I don't know. I I I always joke. You couldn't about shake how- that DeAndre Swift tape. Remember the first game against I, the Bears at home where he, yeah. he cost him the game late. Where what did he do in the end zone? He like did he drop he the pass? He yeah, in both his hands. Listen, Oof. man, I've been I've been joking for a long time about how the Lions cannot figure out the running back situ- situation, and then I thought that they finally did. Um, you know, especially with the will, you know, the was it. It was not Jamal Williams. Is it who's it was the, Jamal Williams, right? Jamal Williams, yeah. the receiver, right? You know, he oh, gets just Jameson Williams. Jameson Williams, yes, not Jamal. Well, Jameson, there was, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But Jameson Williams gets, you know, he's getting uh, suspended for six months, right? What is it? No, he's got. Four, yeah. Did he get four games? He got six. He got six, and then yeah. So I, I don't know if maybe they were like, God, we might need to go offense here because of that. I don't know what their thought process was. Maybe they knew they could get rid of Swift, but. When you have the opportunity to finally take care of the division and your first thought is, well, we should probably draft a running back in the first round, I just don't get it. So, they again. Because they were celebrating harder than any know, other front know, office after every pick. They dude, were all in. But, dude, how many times did, did you know, how, how much was the Giants celebrating when they drafted Saquon Barkley? It wasn't really close to when it, they drafted Jalen Hyatt. Who it's is also, him with a capital H. But my point is, is like we're, you're always hyped. You know, yeah. everybody, I think every honestly, I think everyone probably saw what Christian McCaffrey did last year for the 49ers. And they're like, we need we need that. Right. Because, what you know, the two running backs that were taking in the first round were very athletic running back. You know, it's a stupid thing to say athletic running back. But like, you know what I mean? Like they're very athletic running backs. And so. I don't know what their thought process was there, but I just want to see. I have it with good intentions. I want the Lions succeed, to succeed. I want them to be good. I want ankle biting head coach of theirs to, to win some football games and win the division. I don't want the Bears to win the division, although I do love Justin Fields. That's a huge jump. The Bears aren't winning the division. They're not going three. But my point, my point is, yeah. is it's I, like the Packers finally are, you know, they don't have a Hall of Fame. Packers might be good. Okay, relax, dude. I, you are very all the time very optimistic about teams that you shouldn't be optimistic about. I was going to say, I mean, the Cowboys are the favorites in the NFC right now. Right, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. How did that work last year? I mean, they're still the favorites in the NFC right now. Best offense uh, in, the, in the NFC. Yeah, and the, in the regular, regular season Kings. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be the one to say it, kind of like the Lions draft. There you go, JP. So, there you go. Play a while. All right, so... Start off with Hendon Hooker in the third round. Great value. With the Falcons, how the NFL is getting more into, we want the run, we need to run the ball more effectively against these teams with lighter boxes so you can create this conflict to bring another guy into the box because these guys are getting a lot smaller, playing a lot lighter boxes. Detroit leaned into that heavily, almost made the playoffs. Mm. DeAndre Swift is not that good. I Mm-hmm. I do not think DeAndre Swift is that good. His vision is not necessary. His vision is not required or not. It's not up to the requirement of what the Lions need in that offense. There were multiple times last year where he was just bouncing everything to the outside. I'm like, dude, just follow Panay Sewell and he'll, you'll get 15 yards. Mm-hmm. Montgomery signed a three year, $30 million deal. That's, that's not stopping you from drafting a guy like Jameer Gibbs, who has great vision, speed. He can be effective in the passing game. He is going to elevate that offense. So I understand why they draft Jameer Gibbs at 12. I, I get it. Jack Campbell, I 
initially, like I said, initially I hated both of these picks, but then I started thinking about it more and I'm like, you know what? I, I start to see it. It makes sense because think about where NFL teams want to beat you offensively over the middle of the field. Why was the Niners defense so good? Because they were able to take away the middle of the field. I'm not saying Jack Campbell's going to be Fred Warner or Drake. Right. But you can see what the Lions are trying to do. They want to take away those easy completions, easy routes over the middle of the field. The Lions were terrible in defending the run, mainly because Alex Anzalone was not that good. I get it. I, I see what they're doing. And then on day two, they went and added Brian Branch, who I thought was a first-round lock. You go and have him. You have a more versatile secondary with him and C.J. Gardner-Johnson. You have a guy like Broderick Martin from West Kentucky can be your run-stopping nose tackle. And then you add Hendon Hooker. I mean, he's not going to play this year, but this is, this is just a swing. Like, hey, if Jared Goff wants out next year, we don't have to say, oh, we desperately need a quarterback. Like, we can ride out with Hendon Hooker, see what we got, and then we'll figure it out later on. I like what they did. I like it because they're going in a direction where I think the NFL is headed hmm. in terms of the run, the run game being more – prevalent being more like teams need to be able to be more efficient running the ball. And if you don't have a guy and you think Jameer Gibbs fits perfectly, you go get him at 12. I like it. I also just feel like Hendon Hooker is just Jared Goff went number one overall. And obviously he was not worth being number one overall um, years later, but he's good. He was good last year, and we say good where he's like top 15-ish. He's somewhere in that 15 to 13 range at his best. I think that's probably where Hendon is, and Hendon is a guy who can sit, and he's actually, it seems like, ahead of schedule with his ACL surgery and coming back there. And I think people just, I think one of the things, too, that cracks me up is people really get on to Tennessee about their offense, and it's, uh, you call it, you're wearing the hat right now, JP, the Mickey Mouse offense. Here's the thing. These guys, Hendon Hooker especially, played in different different offense already. He knows both. He can. He is an extremely bright quarterback. He is someone who will learn another offense. It is not as though we, we like to. I just don't understand why people make it seem like you can't do that. And all these other players who come into the league playing all kinds of different systems, like it's only Tennessee that plays this different at the hash marks offense and that attacks in a totally different way like Jalen Hyatt could never learn to be a better route runner in the NFL he could never do this he could never do that Cedric Tillman played in two different offenses in the Jim Chaney offense and Jalen Hyatt also started in that offense uh when they both got Tennessee Josh Heupel came in after the fact these guys can learn these different offenses like Hendon Hooker got killed for this and I'm like the dude just excelled in one particular offense he can he has traits that will translate he's still going to be accurate with the football with or without that Tennessee offense, he's still going to be really good at evading uh, the blitz and do- getting the ball out quickly when he needs to. He's still going to be an extremely smart quarterback. Like, I think his floor is like Jacoby Brissett. Like, I think that's probably worst case scenario for Brandon Hooker. Best case is like a Jared Goff type where he get- or Kirk Cousins, where he's somewhere in that top 15, top 10 if everything goes right. I don't think he has Dak Prescott upside or those kind of mid-round guys who can really, really pop. But I do think... He can be a really good quarterback in this league for a long time. People just love to rip on this Tennessee offense. Like these guys can't learn or can't do that. Like Patrick Mahomes is playing in the Texas Tech offense. He was he was a far more air raid 
offense than what Tennessee even runs. Tennessee yeah, runs the ball. That all is, the, yeah, that How is do you, Patrick Mahomes. We cannot. Yeah. We cannot. We cannot. What was Wyoming it? running, JP? What was Wyoming running with Josh Allen? The Josh Allen development will probably never, ever, ever happen again. What was <laughs> Gus Malzahn running for Cam Newton? What was, uh, <laughs> sir? Are you okay? That is Cam. I'm tired of the crusade against the Tennessee Volunteers' successful number one, mind you, offense in college football last year and top 10 the year before that. All he does is put together. It is not Josh Heupel's responsibility to play an offense that prepares. Like, Will Levis played in an NFL-friendly offense. Guess what? Will Levis stinks. Like, Hinden Hooker is going to be better than Will Levis in the bros. Like, we don't have to. Like, it, it just it hurts my soul. It this it, I can't stand it. I, I can't stand it. I will not say more because I am of the belief that Tennessee Twitter is the people that got me kicked off of Twitter. So, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to hold it at this. I think the Tennessee offense is a good college offense, but there are a whole lot of things you probably can't translate to the NFL. Much like Oklahoma, there's a lot of stuff in the Oklahoma offense you cannot translate to the NFL. Baker Mayfield. Still not able to translate a lot of stuff to the NFL. For as much as we know, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray has still has a lot of growth to do as a pass pocket passer in the NFL, like in terms of reading out NFL concepts. So I think <laughs> this the Tennessee offense is a good college offense. Not good, great. Maybe the best college sure. offense. Yeah, sure. We'll we'll call it call it what you call it what you wanted. Who had a better offense last year, JP? Who has been more successful in the college ranks the last two years than Tennessee's offense? Who's Tina, been better? No one. Tina scored sixty five points in the national championship championship game. That, that hold on, that's not good. better. It's not that better. No, we're not doing this. We're not giving Georgia the no. no. Points on Tennessee. I'm yeah. I'm pretty sure the team that beat Tennessee to go to thirteen. Uh, hold on, it was in the rain. It was on the road. It was a little I, bit you, different. I'm sorry. I didn't know so, if you asked. Say, I didn't know if you saying? asked who had the best offense in the rain on the road. Blah blah. blah. No, you asked who what had the best offense, and I think the team that beat Tennessee with more points. That doesn't go. mean anything. Their defense was better. Jalen Carter was in the backfield whenever, he, but when Hinton just breathed under center, it was over. Their their so, offense was better at scoring. Yeah, the, I think their offense was better at scoring points. Sound, I mean, Tennessee's defense was around so, 60th nationally. So, like they weren't even good. The Tennessee oh, defense was okay. good. So you're saying that your offense needs a Stoke. He's huh? saying that his. He's saying that Tennessee has the best offense. Yes. If they're playing teams that have really bad defenses no, that all allow them what? to score a bunch of points, that's what you were saying. Because obviously this team had Georgia's a better defense. Historically, Georgia's literally been the only team. Alabama couldn't stop them to save their life. They had guys go in the first mm. and second round who Tennessee made look silly. In the Alabama Tennessee game, God, silly. If only they could do First that in the game round that picks. mattered. Will Anderson didn't get home once. <laughs> Denno Wright just took him out of the game. Tennessee needs to do it on a cold, rainy night in Stoke. Right. That's all I. They did saying. it in Vanderbilt. Not who goes into Vanderbilt oh, and wins fifty six to nothing. I'm oh, sorry, Florida couldn't do it. Kentucky could, couldn't do it. I'm not saying Florida and Kentucky had good offenses. If you Florida's offensive design was very, very, very bad. Rich Cangarello was not a real coordinator. Uh, he was not good. Oh, now you're speaking Evan's language right here. Yeah, you know, Rich Gangarello was not very good. We don't – listen, we don't need to say that guy's name. That guy's <laughs> garbage. He's a what garbage. I'm saying, Tennessee's 
offense is very good when it comes to college football. If you want a good college football offense, you can run, run it in the NFL, you cowards. Put them on the hash. Let's it see is. what happens. Why can't you it run is. in the NFL? Why can't we put guys out wide like that? Because not everybody, because everybody's just as fast. Mm. And the hash and the field hashes are a whole lot smaller. Yeah. It, so again, it, this is NFL college jump. You, in college, you are the best player out of like the state of in the state of America. Mm. Your best player in like your in your county. You know, you you might be the best player in your city. You get an offer, go to Tennessee. You play good. You go to the NFL. There are a whole bunch of dudes who are also the best player at the at University of Tennessee, but also best players at like Georgia and like Alabama. These are like one percent of the one percent of the one percent. Everybody is fast here. Like when you think, when you think about the combine and think about some of the guys that like some even the slower offensive linemen, and then you go look at like when offensive linemen runs in like high school or college, those dudes are moving. Like when I was in high school, I played linebacker. I ran a four eight four at my best. That's not getting me anywhere near the NFL or college as a linebacker. So again, with Tennessee's offense, it's just going to be very very hard to translate that to the NFL. Because one, like I said, field hashes whole lot smaller. Two, half the receivers aren't even running real routes. There's only there's only one read on one side of the field. Everybody else is just jogging, taking water breaks, looking good for the cameras. Because you know they're not getting the ball. There are there are a whole lot more full field reads unless you're playing like for like the early Sean McVay offense and just bootleg. Everything's gonna be looking at a half field, but you only do that when you have to, when you necessarily have to because your quarterback's not good. But got him to the Super Bowl, and the quarterback wasn't that great. Like, and it, he's now in Detroit, where Hendon Hooker is, and he could run something similar and guide the Detroit Lions to the Super Bowl and do all of that with Hendon Hooker under center. Who? It's just a great story, and Hendon Hooker who. Who does not, whomst among us does not want to see Hendon Hooker succeed and become an all I just love his name. I just want Hendon mm. Hooker to be successful in the NFL so I can keep hearing that name. Double mm. H. Double H, H. H, yeah. Can we get a triple H, H? a little triple H situation? Yeah, it could be. Um, I actually don't know what his middle name is. I don't think it's. Harry. Another. We'll make it an H. We'll, yeah. We'll Henderson. We'll make it an H. Just call him Triple H. There you he'd go. Whole, he'd be a whole lot cooler if he just went by Triple H. <laughs> He's cool anyway. Hidden Hooker is always cool. Triple H. Mm. Um, last thing real quick here. Let's settle it. Will the Rams be bad, Evan? Yes. Oh. Yeah, of course. Did you not see the, the today what they announced? What? It the was Rams a- have announced a class of 24 undrafted free agents. That pairs with the draft of 14 rookies. Mm-hmm. So LA will now have a whopping 38 rookies on their roster as they look to fill out depth on both sides of the ball. This is going to be maybe the most drastic rebuild we've seen in the current NFL era. They're going to be very, very bad because they're going to be starting maybe seven to eight rookies. Some of them might be undrafted. Some of those undrafted guys will probably start. Puka is going to be awesome, by the way. Just go ahead and pencil that one in. Do you guys think that Matthew, Matthew Stafford's going to die? Well, that's the whole thing is like if he's healthy, I don't know how with the NFC being as open as it is that they're that bad. Like I just that offensive line still needs a whole lot of help. Yeah. On defense. That defense is Aaron Donald and eight rookies and a 
player named Michael Hoecht, who is starting at outside linebacker. Byron Young, I think, is going to start. He's going to start opposite of him. Mm-hmm. So it's going to it's going to get real bad before it gets real good again. Right. Unless they just absolutely just hit rock bottom and they're able to take Caleb Williams next year. But if they do that, then why is Stafford still a Ram? And why is Cooper Cup still a Ram? I mean, Matthew Stafford's 35, 36 yeah. years old. I, do you think he's good with it? Just riding out? I guess he's got his ring. But then you're like Aaron Donald. What are you doing, sir? They've all hinted at retiring. Like, yeah. How did Aaron Donald come back? Aaron how Donald, did they convince that? I don't know. I have no idea. But I think after this year, I think Stafford, I think Aaron Donald's going to retire. I don't know what happens with McVay and Les Need, but I feel like that core of guys are probably going to try, are probably going to ride off into the sunset. Hey, hey, we won that title. Whatever happened after that is just, yeah, it's just the results of that. <laughs> like, it's not, not our problem anymore. It's, it's above me now. And then just go right off into the sunset. Yeah. Man. JP, what can the good folks check out from you over at SBNation.com this week? Yep. So I have. A couple of post-draft wrap-ups that I did today, including some draft classes that I liked, 2024 big board because I'm a sicko. Got a couple of cool things coming out, uh, or one good thing coming out this week, um, top free agents left. Outside of that, I'm just chilling, relaxing. I don't want to hear. Well-deserved well break. I don't want to hear talk about football like for like a month. I'm going to go like to Galaxy's Edge and just sit in the Star Cruiser and just not yes. So jealous. Hey, I, I can't stress this enough, man. Uh, I always like to shout you out. I think you're doing incredible work, but it's not just me, right? Friend of the pod, Mark Schofield, had a great tweet. Uh, shout out, JP, talking about how good he's done. I've seen multiple people recently, uh, friend of the pod, Jarrett Bailey. Uh, it's well it's well known how much you're crushing it, and it's, good. it's great to see you thriving. Uh, as someone who watched it all happen over the course of the last few months with the draft, dog, you deserve it. Go to the Galaxy's Edge and just chill out. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to put my phone on Do Not Disturb and just leave me alone. <laughs> I mean, airplane mode is the, the life, man. You put your phone in airplane mode and you're like, oh, right, this is how we were supposed to live as human beings was airplane <laughs> mode all the time. This was actually uh, the way to do things. Enjoy it, JP, Evan. Thank you as always, my friend. Have yourself a great week in LA, sunny LA. Get you because it's like cold as hell here in Knoxville. Which I mean, dude, it was it's it's been a little cloudy this week. It was super nice last week, but it sprinkled last night and was super cloudy the last two days. It's sunny right now, um, but like it's going to be raining. I'm well. I mean, I'm going to Seattle Thursday through. Uh, Sunday. Oh, so it's just gonna be a rainy week altogether for you. I think Seattle's actually going to have better weather uh, than LA is going to. They knew you were coming. I'm okay with it, man. It's the only, you know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll we'll see. It's yeah. We'll see. Fifty-eight well, I saw degrees. Milo when we were driving to the Dogwood Festival on Saturday and sent you the picture, uh, which cracked me out because he she like. Uh, uh, Samantha was driving and I was sitting in the passenger seat and this dog just pokes its head out the window JP, and it was just like I, I've never really seen a dog that looks exactly like Evans ever out in the wilderness because he's kind of he's a distinct looking dog and I, looked, I was like what why would Evan be in Knoxville there's no way Evans in Knoxville like but it, it looked exactly like it's like I snapped a picture but it's always fun to see another dog you're like oh do I know that dog does that dog know me does that do I have any context for that dog 
You know, like t- uh, tell your dad to hop on the pod so mm. we, can, we can get together. No, there yeah. you go. <laughs> and we were going to the dog wood festival when you know. I love that. There you go. Evan Swartz, JP Acosta, thank you as always, and I'll talk to y'all next week. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. your um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.